You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, and I could not be more excited about today's show. We've got a new guest, Theo Grimminger, a player profiler, the director of content, the high-stakes analyst. Theo, Mr. Dynasty, you host like seven podcasts now. Thank you for being here today on ours. No, I'm excited. Uh, You know, we've had a chance to uh, have a number of these Dynasty discussions on my turf and now I'm happy to come on your turf. Uh, really big fan of what you do, Heath, and and the the show. It's very very cool to see to see you doing so much dynasty content. I know this is your passion, and I'm fired up to talk to you about it. Well, I'm I'm really happy that you're here, and I always like to give people a chance at the start of the show to kind of just tell everybody everything they do and where they can be found. You can see he's got his Twitter handle here on if you're watching on YouTube at the OG Fantasy, which is fantastic. It's I the OG and at the OG is is absolutely a great play on words there. What what all are you doing for player profile or everywhere else right now? So for Player Profiler, I'm the director of content, and uh, basically I'm overseeing our, our podcasts, uh, the written work we're putting out. We're doing a lot of cool stuff on YouTube. Um, you've had a chance to come on one of my shows, uh, which is The Dynasty Life, uh, which is my new Dynasty show. But the show that I think we're most well-known for at Player Profiler is the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, and I record that with Matt Kelly, the podfather, and Alan Soslowski of Rotowire. Uh, and we, we're going to go back to once a week with that show, kind of once the regular season dies down and the dynasty season starts up. Uh, that's kind of been like the flagship dynasty program uh, for Player Profiler. But I've been excited what I've been able to build uh, with Dynasty Life. Me and you had an awesome episode. Uh, I had Scott Connor on last week. That was a lot of fun. And I'm basically looking at not just not just like the moves we need to make, but really want to get inside my guests' heads about their dynasty philosophies, the way they go about handling their rosters, the way they go about kind of with their general uh, plan and, and and the way that they're able to kind of build their teams. And it's been it's been very cool so far. I also do First Class Fantasy uh, with Billy Muzio on Thursdays. That's a redraft show. Uh, and I have press coverage. And press coverage is my, my redraft show with uh, Justin Boone. So yeah, I'm everywhere. And then Heath, I also started up with Futurecast because, you know, Cody Carpenter moved on. Uh, Ray Garvin used to do, Ray GQ used yep. to do Futurecast. And now uh, I'm doing that with Matty Kiwum. And we're really starting to dive into this 2024 class. So it's, uh, we're, we're Dynasty Central. This is our time of year. You know, you got it w- winding down the regular season. And then we're ramping up kind of this thing of ours, this Dynasty community that keeps growing and growing. Um, and it's, it's amazing. I, I love it. I'm so excited for this 2024 uh, rookie class coming up. And I'm so excited to talk about like the tail end of this season with you. It's like never stops in Dynasty. 
Well, that's one of the things that and I'll apologize because you're on today's show and we're going to talk running backs and on dynasty shows. We really don't talk running backs very often, like maybe to say you don't want to carry any running backs on your roster if you're rebuilding or during the offseason. But we have reached the point of the season to where it's it's running back time. Yeah. Like, especially if you don't have a trade deadline in your league, you might have waited until now to try to decide to try to acquire that veteran running back. We're going to give you some names of guys that we're targeting and also talk about some values, what we would actually give up for them. We are going to kind of rank the top 12 running backs. And then I want to talk about the guys that are not part of that top 12. And if there are any of them that we feel confident are going to have a job next year, because that we've seen that a lot over the last four or five years, guys who are 26, 27 year old starters, all of a sudden the next season may end up like Leonard Fournette, where you don't even get a chance to play on a football field. But, but the first thing we're going to do three questions for Theo. We do this with all of our guests. And one of the things I love over at player profiler is like, if I go to your page, it's got this, my guys, and it, it's, it's three guys that are your guys. And one of the guys on that list JSN really starting to come on as of late. It looks like he may be emerging as the number two wide receiver in this Seahawks offense. Now, I think he was, I would say consensus, the number one wide receiver in this class before landing spot. First off, is he still your guy? And then where do you have him ranked in dynasty and amongst this rookie class? So it, they're, they're very interesting questions. And I think that he, this conversation could be going uh, a little, a little bit differently if he would, they would just given him that touchdown the, <laughs> yes. the other night, it would have been like, Oh my gosh, you know, JSN coming off of his 22 point performance, but we're still starting to see him trend up. And yep. absolutely. He's still a guy that I have a great deal of faith in, in his long-term ability. And I have faith that he's going to end the season well and build up some steam heading into this off season. I think it's very, um, interesting when you start looking at him in the context of overall dynasty wide receiver rankings and then the overall rankings for this rookie class. I mean, certainly this rookie class, the last time the the two of us spoke, we were gushing over Tank Dell. And Tank Dell, you know, certainly a guy that I'm not going to take a, a huge like neg- negative outlook on based on an injury. Right. That, that still matters a little bit. Yes. And then you look at Puka Nakua, who's trending up now, um, had, a, had a big game. Apparently, he's going to be healthy. I look at guys like Zay Flowers. I look at, at Jordan Addison. Rasheed Rice is coming on. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be too reactionary. I think that this, this rookie class is strong, but I don't think there's necessarily guys that have the ability to, to crack a you know top six overall season. You know, but Nakua, notwithstanding, I don't look at Zay Flowers and I say that that's the guy that could right. give me a top six season. With JSN, you have to factor in the fact that Tyler Lockett's there. Next year, I fully expect them to move on from Tyler Lockett. You also have to look at the fact that this guy had wrist surgery in, in like August, September. Right. The, you know, so he didn't miss time with that. And then his final season at Ohio State, what would have been, he was injured. He, he, he would, had, a, had an injury, uh, basically was draft eligible for a while. So for me, I think that this could be like a Trey McBride situation with a much more high-profile player. A year ago at this time, we'd be talking about Chig Akonkwo and about how he's the big winner from this tight end class. And then a season later, we're talking about Trey McBride. And I think once you give a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba the snaps, the the targets, and just the general role, plus a full offseason kind of in the program, I think he's a guy that's going to be a target earner. And I think he's a guy that's going to be a huge year two leap guy. 
But again, I'm okay putting him on my lineup rest of rest of the way too. I think he's a fun uh, kind of upside flex. That offense had a really nice performance against Dallas, and I think they're going to continue to build on it. Uh, kind of a tough one this week, but uh, besides that, I, I like I like the other matchups coming up. Yeah, I, I had I had Puka at one in the class, Dell two, and JSN three coming into this week, and I I agree. Like it's not nothing that Tank Dell is going to miss the rest of this year with a broken leg. And so yeah. I'll probably be back with JSN too. I, I have a hard time. I mean, I think Puka has to be one at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I haven't seen enough to move Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers or any of those guys ahead of him. Like we, we were concerned about this landing spot. We were concerned about exactly what has happened. But Tyler Lockett's 31 years old next year. I, I don't think he'll be standing in the way anymore. I, I would expect that JSN is pretty much a must-start wide receiver next year and moving forward. Question number two, who is your most rostered player in Dynasty and why? You know, it, it's funny. I, I I play a lot of FFPC Dynasty, uh-huh. and I, I look through my my roster percentages, and I have I have a ton of Jalen Warren. And this was a guy that I was yeah. just able to kind of pick up for cheap. Um, and last year, I kind of, I kind of like took him pretty much everywhere I could, picked him up on waivers in certain leagues, um, and made small moves to get him. I have a, a very good amount of Chuba Hubbard yeah. because his rookie, his rookie draft, he was just so cheap. And so you do uh, have a type. <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny. So I like, and then in terms of the high end guys, yeah. I got a lot of, I got a lot of Sam Laporta. Right. I got a lot of Dalton Kincaid. I have a very good amount of Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs was a guy that I was extremely aggressive going out to acquire 102s last year uh, before, and this is non-super flex, to acquire a lot of 102s uh, when there was kind of like that question in the air whether it would be JSN or Gibbs before the NFL draft. And then as soon as the NFL draft happened, that that pick just became way more valuable. So I have uh, exposure to some pretty, I think, pretty high-end dynasty assets and also some kind of useful piece assets like Warren and, 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 and who, Hubbard. And for people who play in a lot of leagues, one of the reasons I asked that question is because for me, the answer is almost always a guy who was cheap to acquire. Yeah. I don't necessarily want my most rostered player to be a guy who's a first round, one of the 12 first round picks, because that's a lot of exposure that can really crush your team. You end up with, you know, 40% of Jalen Warren or something, and it's almost all upside. So you you mostly feel that way as well. Like you want the oh, higher yeah. exposure guy to be the lower cost guys, right? Yeah, I, and I think that there's there's countless examples of trying to diversify at the top. I think it's a even when you get to really really productive players, you still might want to pivot off. The more dynasty teams you have, Heath, the less you know fully exposed you want to be to guys, especially when they're extreme value type positions. Um, and I think when you get to rookie drafts, there's something to be said, even, even this past year about the pivot, when you talk about super flex, it was right. kind of like a universal, like Bijan's number one, no matter what. And I was, I was on that train as well, but by simply pivoting in a super flex league, you could have had exposure to some Jameer Gibbs, to some Anthony Richardson, to, and now some CJ Stroud. Right. Uh, so the pivot is always, it all depends. You know, if I have one dynasty league, I don't have to worry about these kind of things. But if most of most of the people that are listening to hardcore dynasty content in in week 14, they've got like it's like Fight Club. You don't reveal how many dynasty teams you have at this point because <laughs> it gets to be it gets to be like sicko mode. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at. So I don't want to get like too 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 overexposed. Um, I think you're exactly right. 
if it's it, it's a uh, a low low risk big reward types are the kind you want to like push the chips in on. Uh, I think this you know tight ends are oftentimes those kind of those kind of bets you want to make right. because they don't cost you too much and you can Trey end McBride. up with, yeah a bunch of McBride a bunch of Laporta a couple of years back Pat Fryermuth was extremely cheap in that Kyle Pitts draft so yeah I'm completely with you on that. All right, third question: What player has been the most pleasant surprise for you in 2023? Yeah, gosh, you know that's a, that's a really it's a great it's a great question, and it's a guy that we actually flag planted at Player Profiler, and we took a lot of heat for this one. Um, we had Rashad White yep. higher than consensus in Dynasty. We had Rashad White higher than consensus in Redraft, and we were really big into Rashad White. He had 50 receptions as a rookie, and people will say, well, well, you know, that's a, a Tom Brady stat. And I said, okay, but how many rookie running backs historically get to that number? It's a pretty, right. pretty good track record. So we stuck with him, and we thought that the opportunity would be there. We we bet against the Bucks drafting someone, so we were able to kind of like dodge that bullet during the draft. Then free agency, the whole narrative became, well, you can't really trust it because look at all these free agents. One's going to end up in Tampa. They didn't sign anybody. They signed Chase Edmonds. And then we had that early season, you know, Sean Tucker is going to overtake him, which now looks kind of laughable. Right. Uh, Rashad White's kind of been my most pleasant surprise, only in the fact that we thought that he was going to deliver. But when I said deliver, I thought he'd end up, you know, running back 15 sounds about right. Um, he's going to catch a number of passes. But this year, he's going to end up finishing as an RB1 actually pretty easily. Right, right now, he's right around RB6, has a chance to finish as a top five running back. He's going to have another a, a high reception season. And when you start looking historically at these running backs who have this many receptions in year one and year two collectively, it's a pretty good list. And I think it'll be another offseason where his dynasty value never kind of matches up with his production. And that's fine. I think at this point, you just bank the points. Right. You roll with Rashad White. Uh, and that would be the guy I'm most pleasantly surprised about just because of his finish, not because of the fact that I was like down on him for the season, but it's now, a, you, such you, a good question, Keith. You guys may want to send a uh, fruit basket to our own Dan Schneier. I don't know. Uh, this is kind of an inside joke, but uh, on, we have a show on Mondays called Beyond the Box Score with him and Jacob Gibbs, Adam Azer, and they kind of break down. And I don't know if you remember the start that Rashad White got off to, but it was pretty oh, yeah. miserable. Two, three, four weeks into the season, it was bad. And we, we they, they broke down Rashad White. Dan had some comments on what – you know, he thought was wrong. Well, Rashad White saw that and reached out to Dan and kind of kind of thanked him and went to the moon. So I don't think those two are necessarily related, but he acknowledged that what Dan was saying was actually right. And and uh, yeah, everything else, as they say, is history. Let's talk about the big news. You mentioned Tank Dell. He is out for the season. We have to have a Tank Dell segment on every show because he's my most rostered player. I'm absolutely, uh, my and my most pleasant surprise. Everything's gone fantastic until now. Now, this is the second injury. The first one was a concussion, and he does come into the league because of his size with some injury concerns. I don't know. Like This feels to me like one of those Keenan Allen early in his career situations where the injuries aren't related and it's not like he's pulling a hamstring every two weeks like Christian Watson, so I'm not that worried about it. But where are you at with Dell now, knowing you don't have him for this year? So we're going to go into next year. His rookie resume is complete. This is, this is what he did. Is he top three in wide receiver still? Is he top five amongst this class? Where is he at with Addison and Flowers? I think it's really impossible to drop him out of the the top five based on what he did. I mean, historically, you know, when you came on Dynasty Life, we were talking about Tank Dell and how 
his points per game are going to place him above Jalen Waddell as a rookie, above Amon Ross St. Brown as a rookie. It's going to put him above Garrett Wilson as a rookie, who was the offensive rookie of the year last year. Uh, and Tank Dell, it's not just, you know, the the counting stats. It's when we look at these wide receivers, you, you get the guys like the Tyree Kills and the A.J. Browns, like the true WMD type wide receivers that are just those early startup, like first round guys. And, and that's great. But then you get to this group of wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes where it's like a big group. And when I look at those kind of guys, I want guys who can win me the week. It's great to have those floor plays, but Tank Dell's a weak winner, Heath. Yeah. And he's he's got a connection with CJ Stroud that we cannot deny. They're both rookies, both and he had, you know, all these 20 plus point weeks, multiple 25 point plus weeks. Um, so I'm not gonna do too much with him. Like we, I think we're pretty aggressive on our ranking of him. Uh, in terms of overall dynasty rankings where we have him at player profiler. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, the only fear I kind of have for uh, Tank Dell and Nico Collins is CJ Stroud is just so good that there is a chance that Houston looks, it does some self-scouting in the offseason and says, you know, this is what we are. We're a shootout team. Right. And we're going to go out and we're going to get a dude at wide receiver, whether it's in the draft where it's a loaded wide receiver draft and it's going and a loaded uh you know potential group of free agents if some of these guys don't get franchise tagged so th- it's not a knock to tank dell right. i do think that there's a chance that the target share for dell and collins is not like what we think will be the leap forward like for a year 2 and a year 4 guy for collins we think that they're going to take a step forward but right. if you inject uh, like a t higgins or one of these first round second round wide receivers from this draft class then it could be like a cap target type situation and then that's the only thing where i'd say okay you know we can't you know really drive tank dell up to like the third round of redraft or you know the top you know you'd have to kind of maybe drop him out of the top 15 for that does concern me more for dynasty value with collins than it does for dell partially because this organization this 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 group brought dell in and cj stroud requested dell so i think like those types of things i worry more about nico long term and he's if he's really as attached to stroud as tank dell is but let's talk about last night because we had another quarterback injury but before that, we had one of these backup quarterbacks who all of a sudden looked like he figured it out. Jake Browning absolutely lit the Jacksonville defense on fire last night. 32 of 37, completed 86% of his passes for 354 yards. That's 9.6 yards per attempt. Looking like Brock Purdy out there. Even threw a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. I don't think Jake Browning's going to matter in anything other than a super flex league. And he's already too rostered for us to talk about on the deep waiver wire a little bit later. But did he figure out enough to where maybe we're okay with Joe Mixon, who scored a couple touchdowns last night? Maybe Jamar Chase is still a top 12 wide receiver. Like I was looking at Jamar Chase as someone, whereas if I was a true contender and I could deal him for a CD Lamb or an, or an AJ Brown and that person rather have Chase moving forward, I would do it. After last night, I'm not so sure. Yeah. And it's funny because there was a lot of like the early game tweets where it's like, Look at uh, Jamar Chase is being turned in like a Cole Beasley tonight. He started yes. the game out with like five catches for like, I think it was five catches for 11 yards. His first three then, went for three, three, three for three. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, what's going on? You know, they've massacred my boy or something like that. And then all of a sudden Jake Browning gets it going. I, I do think that we need to put a little bit of an asterisk here because Browning looked great, but this Jacksonville secondary has gotten shredded all season. 
They're a bottom five in terms of uh, passing yards allowed. But I do think we've seen enough uh, with Browning and this Bengals offense that we can go back to treating Joe Mixon like a, you know, let's call him a mid RB2 level guy where last week I, I actually, I remember, uh, you know, I was sit, standing with uh, at my daughter's flag football game and, and I get a bunch of like, you know, my friends asking me fantasy advice as I'm sure you do. Um, you know, and it's always like Sunday at like 1130 or 12 when you're actually <laughs> trying to concentrate on your own stuff. But I had I had somebody asking me like a Joe Mixon start sit and I'm like, yeah, leave Joe Mixon on your bench this yep. week. He's, he's got no upside with Browning. And now I got to see the guy next week. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, but but, you know, Mixon did did look good, um, had the touchdowns necessary. And I think that you get a little bit enough of that. You know, the schedule is a little tricky. Indianapolis game is going to be a really good one. That Minnesota game's in Cincinnati. That's a that's a Joe Mixon game right there, uh, and then the Bengals go to Pittsburgh, and you know those those AFC North games uh, right around Christmas. They can be uh, those can be trouble. You don't ever know which way the game flow is going to get. So yeah, but I think Mixon's fine, and then Jamar Chase. It's like the guy just reminds you what a special talent right. he is. This is a guy that we were trying to push to wide receiver one overall at player profiler uh, early in the season for Dynasty. It's just a guy that we all felt great about, even with Justin Jefferson being Justin Jefferson. And uh, we had to kind of make that change when you know Joe Burrow went down. But now it's kind of like he shows you why he's so insulated in that top two wide receivers. And Heath, I think when we get to Dynasty startup season for non-superflex, I think that's that's your probably your top two picks once again. Jamar right. Chase is just undeniable talent. Um, he's he's just such a great player, such an exciting one. And yeah, we're way back to Jamar Chase in the first round. Uh, excuse me, in the in the top twelve wide receivers. I think Browning showed enough with him. We've seen the ceiling game, and we can kind of breathe a sigh of relief if we have Jamar Chase on our rosters. Maybe you're not going to get that Tyreek Hill type performance in the playoff, but you're going to get you know fifteen to to nineteen points. I think every week moving forward, with you a, can with breathe a, a, a sigh of relief about your Bengals, and now you can start to panic about your Jags because Trevor Lawrence suffered an ankle injury. We still don't know unless somebody gets in the chat and tells me that somebody's tweeting about it right now. How long Lawrence might miss when it first happened? It looked like, oh, no, he's done for the season. And by the end of the evening, they were saying, you know, the x-rays were OK and we're going to do an MRI today and might just be a week or two. Calvin really didn't do much with Lawrence and has been hot and cold all season. How much does this hurt their value? It's really hard to trust, you know, Ridley, you know, anyway. He's had some of these big blow up games, but he's always been sort of a boom bust type um, and he's been more consistent lately. But I don't really have a whole lot of faith, especially going up against that Cleveland defense that can just be a, an absolute beast. I, I might like I might like Evan Ingram uh, with the backup quarterback because I think he's going to be uh, you know heavily utilized. But for me, if the wide receivers, you have to all kind of take them down a notch uh, with this Lawrence injury. We're going to take a short break and then we'll get into the running back landscape in Dynasty. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, we are back here and we've got, you know, a couple of different angles here, but I want to speak to the contenders first. And I, I want to ask you, Theo, do you have a guy that you are looking at as a veteran running back that you're trying to acquire for the fantasy playoffs as a dynasty manager? Yeah, I mean, it becomes more difficult because he just had a really, really great game. But I've been trying to kick the tires on Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, for for the last few weeks. And I think that Alvin Kamara is a guy that has gained a great deal of dynasty value from the, you know, start of the season to now, despite his age. But Kamara, for me, is like, he's 28 years old, but he's shown this sort of a renaissance. And I think that he's old enough that if you're not a true championship contender, he's probably off of your roster anyway. Right. But if Should you be. see these, or if you see some of these teams who might be limping in with a five, six seed, and they're really kind of, you know, thinking maybe, maybe they get it. Maybe they don't. I'm still reaching out to those managers and saying, Hey, you know, do you want to cash out now? Which way is kind of your general direction? Are you really pushing the chips in? Um, because I think Kamara just kind of has it. And Kamara also, like when you look at some of the older running backs, like I think when the season started, you would have been way, way more confident in Austin Eckler uh, than you were Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara absolutely now has sort of passed him in dynasty value. Um, we've moved Kamara up because I think he's going to have a, a very good season next year as well. Just the way that he kind of came in here and we saw him being utilized as a receiver. We've seen multiple double digit target weeks um, and, you know, the, the points per game don't don't lie. It's uh it's crazy what he's been able to accomplish. So that's kind of the high end. I think when you start looking at like kind of the guys that might be a little bit cheaper, um, we talked about Rashad White. I still don't think that the dynasty value has caught up to the production. I think there's still some teams that might be a little bit scared off on Rashad White. Um, and then guy a guy that I went out and got more of was Jalen Warren. Um, I kicked the tires and I got some Jalen Warren on a number of my teams because I think he gives me running back depth. And I think he also gives me a guy that I'm not going to get stuck with dead weight next year. I think he's absolutely a, a guy that's going to going to retain some dynasty value, uh, if not gain some dynasty value. Because I look at Jalen Warren as a guy who right now I can plug him in the flex. I can plug him in the RB2. Again, had a quiet week and a quiet week the week before, but we've seen those multiple right. RB2 weeks this season. Um, and he's able to overcome the fact that he's playing next to a guy they drafted in the first round that has a former top five running back where it's kind of like a little bit Austin Eckler, like in his career trajectory where will and Tony Pollard, like in his career trajectory where they're kind of able to keep chipping into these higher drafted running backs with the bigger names. And those kind of guys have all kind of hit. So those guys I'm looking at. Uh, and then I think this time of year, Heath, it's really a time to kind of 
square up your depth. If you're a DeAndre Swift manager, make sure that you uh, go out and acquire Kenny Gainwell. Right. Um, again, it's harder this week than it was before, but I made the, sure and the, got, the Ramondre Stevenson managers wishing he'd already done that. Yeah. And it's, we talk about this on the Sonic truth podcast, how handcuffing kind of gets a, a bad rap in, in redraft where, you know, those uh, handcuffing is kind of looked at as a, a kind of a, a, a kind of a too risky strategy <laughs> risk averse. And you kind of looked at as like a low ceiling guy. We can have a conversation all day about that. I handcuff at times in redraft as well, but in dynasty, it becomes like, a necessary thing to do in dynasty, uh, especially deep dynasty formats where you're, you know, carrying over a lot of guys season to season. Right. You really want to have that backup running back. It can my, really save you wins. My theory on the, on the anti handcuff push. And I, I, I am, I am in draft season as well. I think it's a, you should do it in the second half of the season, but it's really just the, the continued invasion of best ball theory into redraft fantasy football because like it's it's that oh you're you're really capping your upside by carrying those you want to you want to carry somebody else's backup so you can have the upside and and it's right but it has gone a little bit probably too far i, I agree with you on that so what, what we're going to do is we're going to go pretty rapid fire and i'll start with the guy you said you're trying to acquire but i've got some veteran running backs here and you're going to make me some offers tell me what what it is in terms of draft picks you're willing to offer for these running backs. And we'll just start with Kamara since he was the guy that you gave me first. I think that you throw a non-superflex second with a usable asset that I don't think is going to gain a lot of value. One Kamara okay. trade that I made, traded Brian Robinson in a second. Uh, Brian Robinson in a second. Robinson. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Let's go. We're going to go a little bit higher and then we'll go lower. But Christian McCaffrey, he's he's on a team that out of contention, they're frustrated. They've had Christian McCaffrey for a couple of years. They haven't won. They've decided, you know what? I'm burning it down today. What's your what's your uh, your godfather offer for Christian McCaffrey to go win that league? I'm absolutely offering two firsts. I'm willing to go higher if I have to. If somebody's willing to trade me Christian McCaffrey, Heath, they're not only changing my outlook heading in the playoffs, they're changing my outlook to next season because I think he's right. going to be the 101 in redraft next year and a potential 30-point uh, per game guy. And I think he's going to get a like. I think he'll there'll be enthusiasm for McCaffrey this offseason, even more than we saw last offseason because he's going to be playing next to a quarterback who's in contention for the MVP. Right. Last offseason, we had no clarity on the 49ers quarterback. So if somebody wants to get rid of Christian McCaffrey, you know, you hey man, I want to help you out. I'll, I'll take McCaffrey <laughs> off your hands. To, to multiple firsts, I like it, and I think you're right. And the other reason he's going to be more valued this offseason is we went through another year where he didn't have a major injury, and everybody knows. That stacking multiple non-injury seasons together virtually guarantees 17 games. No, that's not the way it works at all. Okay, this is a guy I know you were down on. You mentioned that we would have had him way ahead of Kamara before the season. I actually still have these guys back-to-back in my dynasty rankings. But Austin Eckler, I, I don't even know if you want to trade for him. But if you saw him on a bad roster and you've got a hole at running back, what are you offering? You know, what's funny is I kind of like it's one of those things where sometimes the trades you don't make are the trades that you end up really excited about. And I was, we, I'm in one league where right now I'm, I believe I'm the one or the two seed um, and in, in a place that I'm going to win some money and, and uh, maybe a title. And I the, there's an Austin Eckler manager who ha- is just a bad roster, but for whatever reason, he was very stubborn with moving him. I made trade offer after trade offer early in the season. One of the trade offers I sent was like Trey McBride. And uh, I think it was like a second and a third. Um, you know, and right. thank, thank God I didn't make that trade. But right. Austin Eckler, I think it's funny because 
Austin Eckler looks terrible. And we just saw this offense put six points on the board against New England. This offense looks broken to me. It's a back that we're very reliant on him getting rushing touchdowns and also receptions, but it's a broken offense. Um, and I think it's also a schedule fallacy where a lot of times people get too excited about the fantasy playoff schedules. Oh, I can't play this guy. It's a tough matchup. Oh, I, I really want to go get this guy because look at his fantasy playoff schedule. A lot of times that doesn't work out. You have something this time of year called weather. You also have something this time of year uh, called you know teams trying to look at different guys and kind of changing things up, especially the teams that are out of it. You'll see those random guys start getting work in like week 17. So I really do not trust Austin Eckler. The one thing that he's got going for him um, you know, other than being, you know, a very successful fantasy player for years and years is it's Brandon Staley's trying to save his job. So right. I don't think there's any work, uh, worry about them working in another back. Um, but man, this offense does not look good. Keenan Allen's a little banged up. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I'm offering too much. Heath. I think if somebody really wants to, to get rid of him, I think in a, in a, in a non, in a non super flex league, if I have Austin Eckler, I'm looking for somebody to give me two seconds. Okay. Um, okay. I'd be willing to give up maybe a late, late second and a third. We've got two guys, two more guys here, and, and I don't know if these guys will be more or less valuable in your mind. Joe Mixon, a little bit younger than Austin Eckler, certainly doesn't have the track record of elite production, but he's been a low end number one, high end number two for a long time. Could be that, that down the stretch. What would you What would you pay for Joe Mixon? I think uh, pretty much the same. I, I again, I, I don't, I don't see him as a a huge ceiling play. Right. Um, and I do worry about the the Chase Brown emergence where he didn't play that many snaps, but he certainly looked explosive enough that he's going to cap Joe Mixon's upside down the stretch. Again, we just said, I think Joe Mixon is going to be a mid RB2. Right. It could be that I'd be trading for purgatory type scoring and I'd be buying touchdowns after last night. So I wouldn't want to get too caught up. Again, I think that a second uh, and a third, if I'm chasing the money and I'm chasing the trophy, I think I can get it. But my thoughts are I don't think Joe Mixon is necessarily a starting running back in the NFL next year. I, I think that he more likely than not is, but I think it'll become more and more of a kind of committee approach with him. And I think he definitely loses dynasty value this offseason. Is Derrick Henry right in this exact same range? Henry's a little bit different. And also, can we talk about how is he not in the concussion protocol, Heath? I like like who's I don't the coach know how for that, that works. I, I think it's the team doctor is like the team doctor from any given Sunday uh from the Miami Sharks. It's it's like like some guy, like I don't know. Uh it's it's a weird situation because as when I saw that hit, I'm like, this is Ty J Spears week. Right. Ty J Spears is gonna be the guy down the stretch here. Um, but King Henry's playing and Mike Vrabel just completely dismissed it. So Henry's a little different for me because I think that Henry. Uh, I think we could see some blowups in, in the fantasy playoffs. Okay. And I think he's still got that ceiling where I'd be okay short-term giving up like a second and two-thirds um, or, a, or a younger player that maybe I'm not that excited about um, with a second uh, and see where it goes. And I do think that there's a chance that Henry lands very well this offseason. I know last offseason there was the rumors that like the Philadelphia Eagles were going to go get him. The Baltimore Ravens tried to get him this season. Um, so I think that a lot of these contending teams might look at Derrick Henry as this is going to be a guy that we can come in, give him the goal line work, give him the short yardage situation, and he could be in a great offense uh, with touchdown, uh, you know, high touchdown numbers again next year. He seems like kind of ageless. Um, 
he certainly looks kind of the same. It's not like when we watch Derrick Henry, we're like, he doesn't look explosive. Right. Certainly, Tajay Spears has been a little bit annoying for Derrick Henry managers this year, but he'd be a guy that I'd be willing to kick the tires on despite his age. Let's move into the next uh, the next facet of this. We're going to rank the top 12 dynasty running backs. I'm going to go down my top 12. Uh, you agree? You just, just nod your head and we'll just move on to the next guy. Because some of these guys, there's not much, too much to say. I think everybody's going to have Bajon Robinson at number one. He is still the most valuable running back in fantasy football. Even though I understand if you're just a little bit nervous by the fact that Arthur Smith's winning and the Falcons are probably going to the playoffs and you're probably going to have Arthur Smith coaching for another two years. But that's okay. It's not like he's going to continue to give the ball to Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson when he should be giving it to Robinson. Number two, Jameer Gibbs. I will tell you, for me, I don't know if this is true for you, the gap between Robinson and Gibbs has shrunk. But you agree Gibbs is at number two as well. Has that gap shrunk for you? Absolutely. And I think you'll see it next year in Dynasty Startups. I think they're both non-superflex top six uh, overall picks. Uh, I think it'll be it'll come in like the Chase and Jefferson those two running backs, and then probably like a, a maybe a, a Lamb and, a, and an A.J. Brown, whoever you want to pick from the wide receiver spot. But I think those are the difference makers at running back uh, in dynasty uh, rankings for running backs. Despite the recent inefficiency on the ground, that I still love the targets. I don't care that Robert Sala thinks he's trying to hit too many home runs. I still have Reese Hall at RB3. Are we still in lockstep, or do you have somebody else? You know, I think Christian – well – for me, Brees Hall, like when three through five is is three guys. Um Paul and Taylor McCaffrey? No, for me, I'm gonna push Devon A chain in there. He's I think six Devon for me. okay De- Devon A chain, Christian McCaffrey, and Brees Hall is three through five for me. So Hall at three, Jonathan Taylor at four, Christian McCaffrey at five, Devon A chain six for me. You heard he's in that three through five range for Theo. I think I think those six are probably going to be pretty well set. The next six are absolutely wild. Um, I, I would guess that everybody's got a different guy at seven, eight, nine, ten, but we'll we'll find out. I've got Travis Etienne at seven. I still have Ken Walker at eight. And then number nine, and I just updated this this morning, for the first time in my top 12 running back rankings, I was not a huge fan of him coming out last year, but I don't know how to deny what he's done so far this season when it looks like his role will be next year. He's still just... 23 years old, at least he was at the start of the season. It's Kyron Williams. So I've got ETN, Ken Walker, and Kyron Williams at seven, eight, and nine. Where do you have those three? Okay, we've lost Theo here. So we will uh, go to number 10 is DeAndre Swift. Number 11, Zach Charbonnet. Number 12, Josh Jacobs. It's okay. We'll, we'll, uh, I, I tell you that the place that I struggle the most, though, is when you look at these guys, I have kind of a value system that I assign to these running backs. Jacobs, James Cook, Rashad White, Javante Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, even Saquon Barkley, who's more of a this guy than the future guy. They're all within about 50 points, which is bigger than the gap from 17 to 18 of my ranking. So I think picking out who's going to close out this top 12 it's nearly impossible. It's really personal preference. Who who are the backs that I didn't say that you think should be in the discussion, Theo? Well, I think that DeAndre Swift is absolutely one that I'd maybe have a little bit higher than you. I okay. think Swift, Swift, I'd have probably closer to like RB8. Um, okay. and then and then I think that Alvin Kamara has done enough for me that he's pushing, you know, that back end, that back end RB1. Um, and then you you nailed it. I think that the one other guy that really could be there is uh, Isaiah Pacheco. 
Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco could end this season very strongly. And I think that he could be a guy that we say, the only reason we're keeping him out of here is because of the draft capital. But I think that kind of goes out the window when he's having this sort of production in year two and the belief in Andy Reid. So I wonder wh- where you're at on Williams. Um, like I said, the first time I've had him in my top 12, he wasn't in my top 20 coming into the season. But the role's been so good. The production's been better than I expected. And I think he's one of the more likely backs to be a starting feature running back heading into 2024. Yeah, I think that I have him. Well, we have him at player profiler currently right on that RB1, RB2 uh, yeah. border. I think that he you could make a good case that he's an RB1. Um, he's got age, so he's only 23 and a half years old, like you said. You also have the fact that he's able to come off of an injury and perform uh, and handle this sort of volume again and do it with a new coaching staff. So Javante Williams also has the the receiving talent that we like to see. Uh-huh. And we don't know how the situation is going to be like a year from now with like a kind of a kind of the annoying presence of like Samaj P. Ryan. Um, those kind of guys can kind of come and go. So I think if they have the confidence in Javante Williams next year, there could be even less kind of running backs around him uh, in Denver. And we could see more of a consistent usage from the start of the season like we're seeing in the back half of this year. Yeah, Javante is one of the guys that I, I have bounced all over the place. Like even on a week-to-week basis, you probably see him going from RB1 to RB2 to RB1. And I, I do think you're right. There's a chance with his pet, pedigree and ability in the receiving game that next year he's another year removed from the ACL. He has all of his athleticism back. He touches the ball 20 times a game. And we're like, why wasn't this guy a top five dynasty back? I also don't feel like there's very much floor there at all. Like we're one injury away from he's never a feature back again. Um, it, it's He's a very, very high risk, high reward back, which is a, a fine guy to have on your roster. I'm not sure, though, that he fits this next question, because I think the next question I have is of the guys we've not really talked about yet, um, not not mentioned. So guys who aren't in everybody's top 15 at running back, who do we know has a job next year? It's a it's a it's a tough question because I think a lot of these guys are not as stable as you know some of their dynasty right. managers might think. Like a guy like Ramondre Stevenson could easily be out of a job. He's probably mm-hmm. in that like back end RB two land. James Cook is going to end the season with very solid counting stats. He's going to give you this borderline RB one finish. But I think at the end of the day, he seems like the kind of guy Buffalo could pivot off of. The guys that are a little bit more insulated are kind of the role guys. I think you brought up Kyron Williams, and I think that a lot of people are not going to have him as high as you do, uh, despite him being a year two guy. He'd be the kind of guy that I'd be looking to take off somebody's hands who thinks that they're selling high. Right. Um, David Montgomery is interesting, Heath, because as much as we love Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery sort of fills this role for this juggernaut type offense, um, you know, in Detroit. Uh, and then after that, yeah, it's it's a very, very sketchy kind of back end of the RB2 land, high end RB3 land. Charbonnet is interesting because as much as we love Ken Walker, I think Charbonnet looks like the kind of guy that if anything were to happen with Ken Walker or if, if he ever moves on to a different team, I think Charbonnet would quickly gain a lot of value. And he's also shown enough to me this year yeah. um, that he's good. Like at the end of the day, we want guys who are good. Um, and Charbonnet can also catch the football. So Charbonnet would be a guy that I would look at uh, as a guy that could potentially move up uh, in value. But yeah, it's a weird it's a weird time. Do you want to have like Najee Harris's and the Brian Robinsons? I mean, those kind of guys seem like 
they could really, really get you stuck if you put too much into them. We'll take one more short break here, and then we'll get to your deep waiver wire to finish up the show today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, we are back and we've got five, I think, quarterbacks. I'll tell you that how we do this here, Theo. We're looking for guys who are rostered in less than 10% of leagues of CBS leagues, which we have a, a generally a, quite a bit higher rate than Yahoo and ESPN because their leagues are generally eight and 10 team leagues. Ours are generally 12. So we are scraping the bottom of the barrel. I try to avoid rookies. I did include a couple here because I do think, I know at least in my leagues, like there's some guys who've been drafted in the last two years, it, round two of rookie drafts who I found on the waiver wire. So not all dynasty managers are as patient as they should be. Let's start with the quarterbacks, though. One, two, three, four, five, six potential Week 14 starters rostered in less than 10% of CBS leagues. They are Mitchell Trubisky, Tommy DeVito, C.J. Beathard, Zach Wilson, Bailey Zappi, Jameis Winston. Two questions, so you're going to give me your, your two, just two names here. Who is your favorite for week 14, assuming they all start? And who is your favorite rest of season? Of course, we're talking super flex only. It's Jameis Winston for both, because I think Jameis Winston gives me the ceiling this week against Carolina. And I think there's a chance that Jameis Winston, if he comes out and puts up a, a huge number, could just overtake Derek Carr for the rest of the season, because Derek Carr has looked very poor. Um, and Jameis Winston how can he not elevate this offense at this point? He's going to take shots downfield. We've shown this connection with Chris Olave. It's Jameis Winston. The other guys that you talked about, to me, don't have any sort of a ceiling. Jameis Winston has this massive ceiling. And again, C.J. Beathard, if this is a long-term injury to, to Trevor Lawrence, could kind of change uh, my mind a little bit here because he is pretty mobile. But it's Jameis Winston. I think Jameis got- Winston's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I hope that he is. I wish that he hadn't looked so completely awful every time he's been on the field in 2023. But I do. I've I've always been a big Jameis fan. I for a long time I thought Jameis was better than Derek Carr. I've not really been a very big Derek Carr guy though. So we'll find out what Jameis can do. I, I I'm hopeful. I definitely think like he's rostered in four percent of leagues. So that that should probably quadruple or more in the next two or three days. We've got also three quarterbacks for deeper super flex leagues. 
if all these guys were already rostered, these guys might be next in terms of starting, and we wish they weren't. Nick Mullins, Terod Taylor, and Trevor Simeon, all three guys. Taylor has been had the practice window opened. I think the Giants probably stick with Tommy DeVito, but the guy's sacked on one out of every five dropbacks. So there's a chance that we see somebody else under center for the Giants. Simeon, uh, the Jets would like for Zach Wilson to take over as the starting quarterback, but who knows how long he'll agree to do that or how it's going to look. So Simeon still might get a chance to start for the Jets. And then the Vikings still haven't uh, announced anything. I, I'm hoping it's still Joshua Dobbs, but but who knows what direction they're going. Let's, let's take a look at running back, and there's, there's two guys. Again, these are the guys I was talking about, Theo, that should have probably not ever been dropped in a dynasty league, but they are 5 and 4% rostered. We saw Chase Brown last night. You're right. He looked explosive, more explosive than any running back has looked in Cincinnati, maybe since Gio Bernard. Um, and Zamir White now down to 4% roster. This is another guy we just talk about a lot on this show because there was so much hype about what he might be when Josh Jacobs might sit out or Josh Jacobs might play. Well, Jacobs is still touching the ball 25 times a game as Amir White could become a starter at, at any moment. And I think probably see the ball 20 times a game. Do you want to roster both these guys, right? Absolutely. And I think the Chase Brown one, uh, you know, this is the one there's going to be some, competition on the waiver wire if he's out there in your yeah. league but Zamir White you're going to get for free and we've seen since Antonio Pierce took over these 20 plus carries for Josh Jacobs this is like let's play hard defense let's try to get to the quarterback let's get Josh Jacobs the ball take the uh the pressure mm-hmm. off of AOC but with every single 25 carry game the chances of seeing Zamir White at some point go up we've also seen Zamir White uh you know show that he can catch the football so I'm with you on both guys. I think both guys are the kind of guys that I want to roster. Um, and Zamir White is very much under the radar right now. Three, Five guys at wide receiver who I found under 10% rostered. A couple of them, again, fit that same Chase Brown, Zamir White mold where they probably should have been rostered. Parker Washington still in a lot of taxi squad spots for my team. I, I, I liked this guy until he got drafted to the Jags where they already had six wide receivers. But he came in and filled that Christian Kirk role last night and looked pretty good doing it. John Mechie gets a chance probably for some more playing time now with Tank Dell out for the season. And this was a guy, I mean, before, coming out of college who we thought had like almost Jamison William type upside. So like, let's see what he can do. I actually think though, the best one for this week, if Demario Douglas doesn't play, nobody wants to hear it, but I think it's Devonte Parker. We didn't with the practice designation for Douglas on Monday was not practicing. So he's still in the concussion protocol and not really making process progress. It was nine targets for Parker last week. He's probably a fine flex this week, isn't he? Yeah, it's sort of like the there's nobody to 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 pass the ball to, so it's got to be Devontae Parker. And uh, yeah, you always feel like it's it's sort of fantasy football law that De- Devontae Parker gives you like that one random fifteen to twenty point game every single yes, season. We're so doing. Why, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it come in week fourteen when everybody has so much on the line? What, what did you think about Washington? And do you have interest in him as anything more than just he can maybe fill in for Christian Kirk? So it's funny, just like you, I was really into Parker Washington. I remember we had a podcast last year where I think I believe it was was Matt Hicks, you know, talking about this was his favorite uh, day three type wide receiver. And, you know, the guy has the Penn State pedigree. He's got the athleticism. I think he is more of a contingent play on Christian Kirk more than anything. But yeah, yeah. if Christian Kirk misses some times, I, I think that despite the fact that it's Cleveland, 
he's stepping right into that role. It's a it's a kind of a, a what the heck. Let's 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 see if he gets uh, eight targets and and their low eight dot throws. I think that he's also a pretty athletic player. Um, I'm into Parker Washington. I think that yeah, he's yeah. he's definitely a fun one. What I would say is Parker's the guy you pick up if you're absolutely desperate for points this week and trying to fight to get in the playoffs. Washington and Mechie are the guys who should be picked up even if you're 2-10 and 10 and the season's already over. They, they should be on your roster. These are the types of guys who by the end, by, by next August, we might be looking at them as starting wide receivers for their own team and starting wide receivers for fantasy purposes. Two other deep, deep league guys. Darius Slayton, I don't know who's going to lead the Giants and targets coming off the bye, but Slayton and Hyatt have seen more downfield passes since Tommy DeVito took over. And when Slayton's been healthy, it's kind of looked like him. Alec Pierce coming off of a big game, it looked like he was going the wrong way and maybe going to be out of the league soon. He saved his career for at least another couple of weeks. Nobody likes it for Josh Downs, of course. Two tight ends could not be more different. Tanner Hudson catches four passes every week. Probably doesn't have a huge long-term impact, but you might be able to slide him in as a flex and as tight end premium or as a regular starter if you're desperate. And then Brevin Jordan, this is another guy who two years ago I really thought was going to be the next thing, Theo. And as long as Dalton Schultz keeps missing time, I think Jordan's in play. Brevin Jordan, I love. I love yeah. the Brevin Jordan call. Like like Tanner Hudson is a a a low floor no ceiling type play he's a break glass in case of emergency tight end right Purg- purgatory at best but brevin jordan's super interesting because he basically seemed to step right into the dalton schultz role and this is a we've seen dalton schultz catch five touchdown passes on the season brevin jordan uh like you i really really liked him as a prospect i believe i had him right behind pat fryermuth in that class All right um so I think this is a very like Brevin Jordan. Any week that Schultz is out is a top fifteen option at tight end. You also bring up the fact that Tank Dell is now done for the season. Everybody's kind of talking about the Noah Brown, potentially some Robert Woods, but to me, it's the tight end position just becomes so solidified. We've seen C.J. Stroud target his tight ends this year. We saw Jordan have a decent week last week. So to me, Brevin Jordan, like this is a guy that I would be prioritizing on the waiver wire, and with Schultz. It's a hamstring, and we don't have a whole lot of clarity on it. It's kind of like people are kind of brushing this aside. So, Brevin Jordan, give me all the Brevin Jordan. Theo, my man, this was fantastic. I really appreciate you being here. As always, I appreciate everybody in the chat and who's watching here with us on YouTube, everybody who's listening to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty in the app. Please rate, subscribe, review. We love doing this for you. We'd like to do more of it. The more that you give us positive feedback, the more we can do that. Go follow Twi- Theo on Twitter at the OG Fantasy. Check out everything he does over at Player Profiler. Find him on 17 different podcasts a week. Thanks again, Theo. Everybody else, we will talk to you next Tuesday. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.